Hey everybody, welcome to Choir Talks this week. So glad that you're joining us for uh, this session together. Today we're going to read through Psalm 25. Uh, it's a psalm that I've not read as much, but it's really a great psalm. I enjoyed reading it this week and just wanted to read it with you. I just encourage you to open a Bible if you have one and just kind of read along with me. Uh, and let's just see what the Lord might say to us together through this psalm. Um, by the way, let's just talk about reading the Bible. Um, when you have a shorter passage like a psalm, uh, I don't know what your approach to it is, but um, I don't know, here's something that I might do. I, I might read, read it and reread it and reread it and uh, just read it multiple times in the same setting. Uh, sitting and just and just see uh, get a deep understanding of what is being said there. Um, you know, it's like listening to a psalm on the, a song on the radio. Sometimes that just the more you hear it, the more the shades of meaning come out to you. So sometimes just rereading a psalm will help. Also, um, when I read it, uh, each time I read it through, I'm kind of looking for. Uh, what is the major theme or what's the major idea that I think the psalmist is either trying to portray or what just comes across in who he is uh, and, and what he's saying. So um, look for major themes, major ideas. Sometimes it might just be one idea that sticks out to you and touches you where you are for the day, um, but sometimes it is the whole psalm just kind of follows a major idea. I'm going to choose a word for Psalm 25, and I'm not sure that it's the word that anybody else would choose. If, if somebody were just making an analysis of this song, uh, they may choose a whole, totally different theme. But to me, um, I, I see the word humble or the word humility stick out here. Psalm 25 says it's a psalm of David. Uh, we don't always know what that means as far as whether he directly wrote it or it was um, collected and maybe written during his reign. But assuming that David himself wrote this psalm, um, I'm seeing this image of the one who is the king, uh, David, who he's, he himself is the most powerful person that he knows. Uh, there's no one uh, above him in the pecking order of his kingdom. And yet when he speaks to the Lord, uh, you see his openness and his, um, his just vulnerability and neediness. And uh, you just see a humble spirit. And I find that challenging. And I know that it's so easy for me just to not be humble, just to, to walk through life assuming that I have the strength and I have the knowledge for the task in front of me. But David, who really does have all the strength that he probably needs or all the, the wisdom that, that one might could gather around him, he knows that the Heavenly Father, that, uh, that God has more and, and that he needs it. So he writes Psalm 25 in a humble way, in my opinion. Uh, one more thing to note about Psalm 25, it's one of the few psalms that are acrostic psalms, so that, that each sentence um, begins with uh, a letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. Think about how hard it must have been to write uh, poetry um, using that form of, of writing. It must be very difficult. Uh, one of the reasons we think that they probably wrote a acrostic poems, acrostic psalms, was to aid memory um, so that the people who sang this song could more easily uh, memorize it and remember it. So it became a part of their daily walk. And in this case, I think there's a lot in here that if you had it memorized, um, would come back to you and make a difference in your life. So anyway, let's read this psalm together. He starts off saying, "'In you, Lord, uh, my God, I put my trust.'" 
Now, to me, uh, that's sort of a thesis statement of this psalm. Uh, it doesn't mention the word humility, but it's a humble thing to say. It is, even though um, I have all this power, my real trust is not in my power. It's not in my army. It's not in my wealth. It's not in my all the nobles around me. It is in you, God. Um, so uh, that's the direction that he's heading in this psalm. And you, Lord my God, I put my trust. Um I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come to those who are treacherous and without cause. Um, Now here's a little shift. Uh, He starts in verse 4 to just make statements that just show his dependence on the Lord. If I were, I kind of made some headings for the different parts of this psalm in my mind, at least the way I divided it. And so I call this first part a prayer of dependence, um, just showing his his reliance on the Lord. And it's beautifully portrayed here in verse 4. He says, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Again, another thesis statement there. My hope is in you. My trust is in you. You're the source of my strength and power. So going back to the beginning of verse 4, show me your ways and teach me your paths. Now in Hebrew, ways and paths were almost the same word as I understand it. I got to thinking a little bit. uh, I guess I just started visualizing that in my mind. What does that look like? Because, you know, now we drive around on uh, well-marked streets and highways. um, But in the day, uh, when you're crossing the country, you are following just a path, a path that maybe isn't marked, and you're not really sure if it's the best way uh, or to, to get where you're going. And so if you think about just that path that is cut there as he's walking through his path in life, he says, Lord, show me your path. What's the path that you cut? What's the path that, that you would make for, for my life? Um, I don't know, that was just a good picture in my mind to imagine how we ought to approach the Lord. Lord, just show me your way. Um, This is, you know, I can live this life in my way. I I struggle not to try to do that every day, but show me your way, God. Teach me your path. Um, And then he says, guide me in your truth and teach me. It's just a statement of of dependence on God, a statement of of humility. even though he has all this strength, he knows that God's strength is greater. He knows it's only in God's strength that he should trust. This, this verse 4 would be a great um, thing to underline in your Bible. It's, that's another thing you might do. Just let's come back to this verse sometimes. Let me underline it to remember it. And um, if you haven't underlined, it also might be one to pray uh, regularly. It's just something that you could use his exact words sometimes in your prayer life and just say, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truths. Um, so rolling on here, verse 6 says, uh, and this is, this is unusual. He says in verse 6, remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from old. And then he says, do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Um, I just think that's unusual. Remember, don't remember. Remember, uh, he is, um, he's remembering the goodness of God. And when, when God thinks on him, he wants him to remember the, his goodness toward him. But he doesn't want him to remember the sins of his youth, he says, or his past, his rebellious ways in the past. 
You know, I think all of us um, have things in our past that, that we don't like to remember. And uh, we don't really like to think that, that God who knows all remembers those things. But the wonderful thing about the Father is that in his forgiveness, uh, he doesn't focus on those past sins and rebellious when rebellions that we have. When, when he forgives us, it is to the uttermost. It's complete. He washes us as white as snow. Those, the remembrance of those things, he says, they're blotted out. They're, they're gone. Uh, the Lord is good. The Lord is merciful. He gives us not what we deserve. Um, and by the way, that is a, just another humble statement. Don't, don't remember my rebellious way. I remember those sins. Uh, he says in humility, and I, I hope that you do not, God. And then he, he just has a statement of praise. Listen to the words that he attributes to God here, verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Um, so he's, the Lord is good. He's upright. Uh, he guides. He teaches. Um, this, this shows you the goodness as he's thinking about the goodness of the Lord. Those are some of the things that, that come out in this psalm as he's just pondering who the Father is. And then verse 10, I really liked also. He says, all the ways, again, all the paths of the Lord um, are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Um, the word all stuck out to me right there. Um, because, you know, in my mind, I can kind of imagine that discouraged believer who is, who is struggling along and says, hey, man, this is, the Lord's not held me up. He's not here to help me in this time of trouble. But, but David, who went through many times of trouble, says all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. So this is kind of one of those promises with a, with a condition. Um, his ways toward his children are loving and faithful. Um, but that is played out when we are faithful in return to his covenants, where we're faithful to keep his, his law, his ways. Um, then he says, verse 11, For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Boy, you can hear his humble heart there as he thinks about his own sin. He says, it, it's, it's great. It is, it's huge. Um, a, a prideful person excuses his sin. Uh, a prideful person is, is easy to look at somebody else's sin and minimize their own sin. But that's not David's approach here. In humility, he says, I see what I've done, and it, it's big. It is great because it separated me from you. It, is, it, it broke the law of the Almighty. And so he sees the bigness of his sin, and he, and he prays for forgiveness. For the sake of your name, he says, forgive my iniquity. Um, for the sake of your name, I uh, probably need to study that some more to understand the depth of it. But the name of the, of the Lord, uh, he's been saying that he is good. And so for the sake of his name, sh sake of your name, show your goodness, Lord. Show your mercy and, and your grace and forgive. Um, not, not because I am worthy, but because your name is great and because you are a forgiving God. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways that they should choose. Now that I'm reading this, the word ways is really a pervasive word here. I probably should have used that as a, as a word, maybe instead of humble. What are the ways of the Lord? That's, we'll think about that another day. They will spend their days in prosperity, uh, and their descendants will inherit the land. 
The Lord confides in those who fear him. That's interesting. He makes his covenant known to the ones who fear him. Um, that's twice he references the one who fears the Lord as a, as a virtue to fear the Lord. So um, let's just be clear that the word fear here really means revere, not to be afraid of the punishing arm of the Lord, but to fear him in the sense that I, I revere him. I recognize his power. Not so much afraid because I don't want to be punished, but I recognize his power is great and he could punish. Um, but I revere him because he is powerful. And so if the one who fears him, conversely, uh, the other side of, of recognizing his power is recognizing my weakness. And so um, the person who fears the Lord is, is by nature a humble person or has humbled himself before the Lord. Verse 13. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Um, he's not trusting in anything else in this world to help him out of the, the difficulties that he gets in. He says, my eyes are on the Lord. And again, this is David. He has this huge army. He has all this wealth. He has so many things that he could, resources that he could call on. But he says, when it comes to getting out of trouble, my eyes are on the only one who can get me out of trouble. I really like that phrase, my eyes are on the Lord. You know, it's something I thought about. You know, I just say to myself, Gregor, your eyes on the Lord. Would you say that about yourself today? Um, because many days my eyes are on different things instead of um, my eyes are on the Lord. I like that phrase. It speaks to me of, of focus. It speaks to me of, of intention, intentionality and being focused on the Lord. And then he says, and then to me, here's a third section. If the second section was about praise, the third section is a call for help. So this last section starts this way. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I'm lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and distress and take away all my sin. See how numerous my enemies are and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Um, there's a lot of issues that he sees going on in his life, a lot of vulnerable parts of his life, a lot of parts that um, he's concerned about, and he, put, he just lays that out before the Lord. Um, are you transparent with the Lord? Are you vulnerable before the Lord to admit um, and call on him for the things that, that you're concerned about? Um, we find his strength um, when we recognize our weakness. Um, and so he's just laying out, here's the, all the ways that I'm weak. Uh, and so will you help me through this? And then verse 21, may integrity and uprightness protect me because my hope is in you, um, Lord. Um, so again, he comes back to that, that summation statement, very similar to what he said in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, he said, my trust in you is in you. Here he says, my hope is in you. Um, so it's just a statement of dependence. It's a statement of, of trust and, and recognition of the power of God and from a, a humble posture, uh, even as the king here. And the last verse says, Deliver Israel, O God, from all of their troubles. So it's a, it's a personal petition before the Lord, this whole psalm. But it, even so, he is still mindful of, of his country and of the, the people of God at large. And so he, he asks also for their deliverance. Thanks for sharing this psalm with me. Read it through yourself and see what sticks out to you and how the Lord might speak to you through it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I ask that you would help us to um, have a humble heart before you, Father. 
help us to seek you out and, and make you our trust, make you our hope, because we recognize that your strength is great and ours is not. Father, help us to, to lean into you and depend on you. Uh, help us to, to look for your paths. God, give us um, a humble heart that seeks to, to find your path and your way uh, through this, this life that, you are, uh, that we are living. Father, I pray for these listeners who have listened to Psalm 25 today. God, I pray that, that you'd strengthen them and guide them and lead them. Speak to them, Father. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for sharing with me. I hope you have a great day. Join us at Ridgecrest Baptist Church. We'd love to have you here in, in the house uh, at 1030 on Sunday mornings. Um, or meet us online and, and Facebook on our Facebook page or on our YouTube channel. Have a great day. Thank you.